From McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. I'm joined today by Matt Stone. Matt is an associate partner in our London office, and he's with me at our global CFO forum here in London, where Matt is one of the speakers, and he's talking about building a cash culture across an organization and how working capital is often underappreciated as a source of cash and value creation. Matt, why don't we start by you telling us a little bit more about what that exactly means? Yeah, so typically companies will focus on profitability, and rightly so. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you really care about the financial health of the business from a profit perspective. But what that means is that companies don't spend as much time thinking about the cash conversion cycle and thinking through how much cash is tied up unproductively in different parts of the business. So things like receivables, payables, inventory. Uh, companies and clients are often just completely surprised by how much cash can be released um, from those if they put some real focus on it. And because there hasn't been focus historically, it means that sometimes the opportunities are, are you know, like what we call low-hanging fruit, quite, quite quick to be able to capture. Tell us a little bit about what you need to do to change that culture and what the biggest challenges are. Yeah, so, I mean, working capital at the end of the day is not something that just a CEO or CFO can change, right? The payables is managed by procurement, you know, receivables is managed by the commercial teams. Inventory is a combination of the operations, supply chain, and other business leaders. And so to be able to actually turn around the performance across all of those, you really have to uh, convince a number of people at all levels of the organization to change their day-to-day -day behaviors, Right. So it, it takes the warehouse manager who, you know, typically would reorder six months of spare parts in one go to actually say, you know what, that has a big cash impact on the business. How do we actually get that person to reorder spare parts on a more just in time basis, right? Every few weeks or so. So convincing that person to change their day-to-day -day behavior, what this is all about. Um, from a cultural change perspective, it's really around how do I get someone's mindset? How do I get them to understand what is the impact of their behaviors on cash? And do I give them the capabilities and the toolkit to be able to do that? And that's what results in a sustainable release uh, in working capital. Tell us a little bit about sectors. Are there different sectors that do better at this than others? Yeah, so I, you see, the, for example, the retail sector. I mean, when margins are thin, you typically manage this much more closely, right? Because if you're trying to get your cash flows, you can't kind of afford to have um, cash tied up unproductively in working capital. Um, but increasingly, we see this is spreading, this, this kind of discipline around working capital and the cultural transformation spreading to other sectors as well. So a number of advanced uh, industrial clients, manufacturing clients, um, focused on the topic. You see it, of course, in, in uh, commodity-exposed uh, companies like mining and oil and gas, especially when the price of their particular product goes down. Uh, but the learnings from this is, are really spreading uh, to a number of different parts of, of the economy. You've also talked about how working capital excellence is a journey from the basics to world-class practices. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey and what steps are involved? Yeah, absolutely. Because working capital is not universally well-managed, um, typically in a company, putting in place the basics will oftentimes release the most cash, right? So the first horizon is really around um, putting in place those basics. I mean, everything from um, the discipline around which you pay your suppliers invoices on time, not too early, not too late, uh, but directly on time, uh, to things like the invoicing process on the receivable side. Are we sending the invoice uh, to the customer exactly when they should be getting it? So those, those basics oftentimes can release quite a lot of cash in the business. 
The second horizon is more around the cultural transformation. So once you've put in place the basics, how do you get individuals uh, to really understand the cash impact of their day-to-day behaviors? And uh, when they do, then you're able to unlock an additional amount of, of potential cash from, from the business as well. Um, this is things like getting that warehouse manager to change their reordering strategy or getting the person negotiating uh, the next customer contract to insist on uh, advantageous uh, customer payment terms. Now, those types of behaviors are choices people make day to day. And if they're not making the right choice, actually what they're doing is they're tying up uh, cash in the business that otherwise could have gone to shareholders or other types of investment. Um, and then I would say the next horizon, the companies at the bleeding edge of this topic are looking at advanced analytics and other digital tools to be able to, to extract additional value. A really great example of this is what you see using machine learning algorithms to um, look at um, invoice uh, collections uh, strategies. So for your overdues and receivables, instead of having one single collections process or approach, you actually start doing invoice by invoice or customer by customer approaches that are tailored specifically to what you know about that particular invoice or about that customer. And when we've seen this uh, release you know, significant amounts of cash in some businesses, it also reduces the cost of collection. So it actually has a PL impact as well. You also see this, of course, with regards to inventory in terms of using digital tools and integration with your supplier systems. Um, to be able to have that kind of just-in-time reordering and, and really um, uh, pervasive demand forecasting capabilities. Can you give us an example of a client you've worked with and how they've approached this? Yeah, so we did a piece of work with a global mining major uh, a couple of years ago around working capital. Um, and this one was, was quite interesting because it was deeply focused on the cultural transformation elements, right? Um, and the reason it was successful, and for this particular company, you know, they took out uh, billions in working capital. Uh, the reason it was successful is because it was very much focused on the organizational transformation elements. So from the, right from the top, the CEO was communicating to the organization around the importance of working capital, uh, really kind of explaining to people how their behaviors on a day-to-day basis were impacting the cash flow profile of the company. Um, there was a massive focus, of course, on communications and how do you celebrate success across the organization. Um, there was a number of kind of letting a thousand flowers bloom in the organization in terms of new ideas. And once you see some of those uh, come to fruition and be successful, how do you then show others um, the, the, the advantages and, and the lessons from those um, to, uh, to adopt elsewhere in the business. Uh, and lastly, there was a big push on capabilities, right? And so giving people the tools, giving people the knowledge and the understanding to be able to make a change in their day-to-day behaviors. Uh, and so for this particular organization, uh, it was a revolution over kind of a 12 to 18 month period uh, to go from, you know, a relatively, uh, um, let's say, not clear understanding of working capital and how to manage it to a company that was basically managing it at the the, the minimum threshold of what they should have on their balance sheet. Matt, you mentioned machine learning previously. Are there other ways that companies are using machine learning to free up working capital? What's really interesting right now is how machine learning is being used in uh, inventory management, right? So they're really cutting edge companies where you have real-time visibility on inventories at every stage in the, in the value chain. Once you have that visibility and you also have a number of metrics and, and data points around uh, demand forecasts and, and of course your, your production process, you can really start optimizing in real time what is the amount of safety stock you should be holding at every stage in the value chain. 
Uh, and this is you know, very cutting edge at this point for, for a number of companies, and certainly is not spread widely across the economy. But this idea that actually you don't just make a choice, a one-time choice around how much safety stock you should have in your production process, but actually you're making kind of a real-time optim optimization choice at every stage in the process, and you're able to manage that inventory uh, in such a way that it's, it's optimized uh, through, through no other effort than, than through the machine learning algorithm uh, giving you the sense of what it should be. Finally, Matt, what does this all mean for the CFO? I think for a CFO, this is an important topic on, on really two different dimensions. I think the first dimension and probably the most important dimension is the value creation potential, right? This is generally undermanaged in most organizations. And if it has been looked at, it's looked at for a bit of time uh, and then it's forgotten about and things things tend to go uh, the wrong way at that point. And so this is a chance to sustainably reduce the invested uh, capital requirement of the company and also release cash uh, and, and generate that kind of cash flow um, from the release of working capital. So there's, there's a real value creation uh, imperative that comes out of a topic like this, uh, especially if you've kind of looked at cost uh, a lot and you're, it's time to you know, find potentially other levers uh, to, to, to get additional value from the business. I think the, the second reason um, that this is quite important is many CFOs um, are very technically expert in their area around corporate finance, but this is a chance to understand and to have a real influence other, over other parts of the business. Uh, working capital, of course, is the end result of uh, behaviors and activities and the commercial team, uh, procurement, supply chain, and so on. And so the CFO really needs to bring those different bits of the organization together in order to be able to, to extract the most value uh, from all of them optimizing the end-to-end -end value chain. So it's a real, let's say, step-up opportunity for CFOs um, to get deep into the business and, and really kind of work collaboratively with their colleagues uh, on what is, a, what is a challenging but also high potential topic. Matt, thanks again for taking the time with us today. That's all from Inside the Strategy Room. Thank you for joining us. And you can find the edited transcript of this podcast on mckinsey.com and on our Insights app. And be sure to connect with us there and on LinkedIn and Twitter.